0: Back to the Stick 'em Up Podcast, Brundy. We got uh, we got some stuff to cover this week. Yeah,
1: that, that we do. Uh, we recorded. Um, was it last week? We did a mid midweek one. Yes, I think it was. Yeah, and then we were like, "Well, we'll see if you know more more stuff starts to pick up in the league." And sure as hell it did, but unfortunately, I I got bent over and received the wrath of the flu that's been going around. So. That kind of put me on the shelf for a couple of days, but I it, it, it gave us the opportunity now to compile
0: everything, and we have we have so much to talk about now. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do we want to do we want to start with some of the uh, the older stuff? Older being like you know six days old at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll kind of start from the the furthest away and work our way work our way forward.
0: All right. Well, uh, one of the first things is that uh, Tony D'Angelo is allegedly on the trading block for Carolina. It sounds like they're—I don't know if they're actively shopping him around, but it sounds like uh, they—they're done experimenting with it and they wanna—they want to move on from him.
1: Yeah, it doesn't sound like they're actively, you know, trying to move him. But it it sounds like more so—it's they've just let kind of. Teams know that he is available. Um, should you know a team run it? I mean, kind of something like the Islanders, uh, where they, um, they they just got riddled with injuries happening to Pelican Pullock at the same time, and so they went out and uh, traded a seventh to St. Louis for Robert Bortuzzo. And so I think that's probably something that might happen with D'Angelo if there's a team that. You know, gets hit with a couple hard injuries, then, you know, maybe they look to to Carolina and see if what what it might cost to get D'Angelo, and I don't think the price would be super high, um, given his play, um, especially with this history. I don't know how much that would
2: would affect uh, his trade value, or whatnot. But
0: yeah, it's uh, interesting it's to hard see. to say because we know he can put up pretty solid numbers. Uh, from the blue line but uh, Mm -hmm. uh, this season he's not putting a ton together and it's also tony d'angelo a guy with a lot of history of locker room problems and it's difficult to say you know is it just his play that they want to move on from or is there other stuff going on as well that they're trying to keep on the down low (laughs) while they ship him around
1: yeah exactly right with a guy like that you never you never quite know what exactly it is. Um, yeah, it's, so its it it's just multiple teams at
0: this point. So it's, it's yeah, hard to imagine that everything's perfectly fine. They're just moving on as an only business decision.
1: Yeah. And he's, I mean, we talked about it in the offseason. He's the first player ever to be bought out in consecutive seasons. So, yeah, you know, I think the first one was... One of those
0: was by Carolina, right?
1: Yeah. And I think that one was more just cap reasons. Uh, And then I think with Philadelphia was just they were like, you know what, you were good. Again, cap hits high. No one wanted to take him like he's a good player. But, you know, I think he was only making like five and a half or something with Philly. And I think teams even thought that was too expensive for him. Um, So, yeah, now he's now he's back out on on the trade block. So it'll be interesting to see where where he ends up going or even if he does get moved because he's on a one year deal. So. You know, it's not like Carolina's forced to move him because it's a, a bad contract. Like, they, they could just let him walk at, at the end of the season if need be as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, they just like, you know, they'd like to move, move that room so that they could bring in somebody at the deadline because Carolina yeah. definitely definitely sees themselves as a real contender. And I know a lot of people do. I don't think they're doing as good as they normally do in the regular season right now.
1: Yeah, regardless. No. And, that, and yeah, again, that, that's just goaltending for them. Like, that's just the yeah, one they thing that I some think they're really... Yeah, they
0: goaltending. They're, they're yeah. right beside the Oilers for having, having some of the roughest goaltending in the league so far.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, what do we got next here?
0: Jeez, um, we, got, we got three kind of uh, scary injury-looking uh, plays this week. So I guess we might as well get one out of the way. Uh we'll start with the first one that happened the Dylan Larkin uh injury. Um yeah. thankfully I saw he has not been taken off IR but I believe yesterday he was skating at practice. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously really good. Um so I don't remember all the players involved, but I believe one of, it was against the Senators with the Red Wings in Detroit. And they were battling for position in front of the net. And I believe one of the guys that uh, was was playing him was Matthew Joseph.
1: Yeah, so he kind of pushed Larkin a little bit. And then Larkin kind of made awkward contact with, I think his name's Parker Kelly, um, who was also in front of the net. And then kind of bumped into him awkwardly. And then that. You know, unfortunately knocked Larkin unconscious.
0: Larkin uh, got pushed forward from behind. Just standard cross-checks in front of the net when the guy's defending him. Pretty standard stuff. But his head went forward right as the other guy turned around. And he kind of turned around with his arms slightly up. And it just happened to, like, unintentionally (laughs) punch. But not, like, not an extended punch. Just literally hand into the face. And, like, Larkin just immediately went unconscious. I don't know it's if I've ever seen a player. Play. Yeah, I've never seen a player fall down unconscious like that and, like, sprawled out. Like Usually, like, even if they're really injured, they're, like, you know, kind of doing the UFC, like, covering their head, huddling up. He was completely out on the ice. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of the out. guys immediately recognized it. Like, Senators, Red Wings, they were all calling for the medical staff right away. Um, no, one guy wasn't. Did, uh. <laughs> One guy was standing there figuring out what was going on. He was neither of those two guys that we mentioned. Artem uh, uh, Zub. Artem Zub. He was standing Zub. there going, "What happened?" And David Perron just looked over and decided this fucker must have did it. And he goes over. Yeah. He cross checked Zub right in the face. And Chicken shit going, stuff by Peron. Kept going for him afterwards, and yeah, it was it was wild watching the the feed that the fans saw live at the game or a. If you were watching the game live, because they didn't, you didn't see that and they didn't show it on any of the replays at the beginning. Cause everyone's worried about Larkin. So they yeah. announced the penalties and it's like, you know, uh, two minutes for something and mm-hmm. an extra two minutes for Ottawa and then a game, an ejection and a game m- misconduct for David Perron. he got everyone's a match like, penalty. Yeah. Which everyone's is like wondering. intent to injure. Yeah. They, so they everyone was very for confused. Intent to injure. And everyone's like. Wait, that's the wrong team. What did Peron do? And then they show the replay and you're like, oh, you can't just cross check somebody in the face. He wasn't even the guy Wait, involved.
1: It, it wasn't even that. It was more like the side of the neck and head to a player completely unaware that Peron
0: was coming in to Yeah. Take him down like that. Yeah, and I definitely get it. Like, I gotta imagine, especially Lurkin, but like seeing any player on your team laying on the ice like that's gotta be really scary, but um, but this is you, you this is my
1: that. well, and this is my thing. Is is I've I haven't I'm not a big David Perron fan. Um, I, I mean, I mean, I think he's a fantastic player. But the thing I always go back to is I believe it was, um, I think it was in 2019 when San Jose and St. Louis were meeting in the playoffs. I think it was kind of around that time, and. Uh, David Perron came out and was talking, um, when was it? It was It was back a couple years ago when they were playing San Jose before and Joe Thornton hit David Perron with an elbow.
2: I don't know if you remember that. I do not. Okay. Um, and anyway, so Perron got a,
1: a pretty bad concussion at the time um and he said that that concussion and whatnot like kind of ruined his life um from the actions of joe thorne taking a cheap shot on him and while this is perron's first suspension he kind of has a history of kind of doing cheap stuff like this so it's like you know how can you call a player and say hey you you kind of ruined my life and and all this, but then you go out and do something to Zoob that could have, you know, ended his career, potentially.
0: Yeah. And I I, I definitely don't want to... We're not absolving him at all. Like, you can't do that shit. But, yeah. you know, I definitely can see a way... Like, we've both played hockey. I can definitely see ways that you can think, yeah, idiot, don't do that. But also, like, if I saw you go down in front of the net... And I saw you splayed out the way Larkin was. Dude, I'm not I there's no ounce of my brain power that is being used rationally. Mm-hmm. And no, and, and and that
1: is that's fair.
0: Yeah, especially a guy Larkin who uh has a history of neck injuries, which is really unfortunate. Um like I said, uh, yeah. this happened six days ago and he has been skating since. So don't know if he'll return uh super imminently, but uh it seems like there's no lasting damage or anything. Um, he did yeah. skate off on his own power, I believe. Or at I least. He heard, I heard he off. was stretchered off. I. So we might need to to double check.
2: Okay, I uh, will check that really quick. Because
1: I I didn't I only saw the highlights. one <laughs> not I wasn't actually watching the game, but I I
2: remember um, getting a news thing. That, that he was stretchered off. But that, I don't know. That I, that could be wrong. I'm not entirely I, sure on that.
0: I kind of thought that he made it off on his own power. No, uh, he was stretchered off. You're right.
2: Okay, he was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, t- yeah. the fact that he's back out and skating already is a very good sign that it's it's nothing long term in that. You know he's already making a, a pretty good recovery. Yeah,
0: D- yeah, Dylan Dylan Larkin skating quote brings joy and happiness to Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, and and with, with Peron free press right there. Yeah,
1: and with Peron, those plays are always just scary when you've got a guy down on the ice injured, and then you know an altercation starts afterwards of guys getting into it right where the injured It was injured very players strange like, to
0: watch. There was, yeah, there was, I think two guys from each team, uh, obviously Zub and Peron, and then two other guys trying to break it up and the refs and all <sighs> of the other guys were just standing over by Larkin, like, yeah, what the hell, what the hell's going on over there? We're trying not, we're trying not to fight over here, but like, we kind of want to be involved. It was, it was a really weird situation. And, uh, yeah. I don't know which guy did it, but actually, I don't think we mentioned during the play, like, after uh, Larkin went down, somebody else got cross-checked from the Senators and kind of, like, fell on him for a bit. Or it actually, honestly, it might have been one of the Red Wings players. There was so many guys in front. Like, somebody just unfortunately got shoved and kind of, like, fell on, like, Larkin's legs for a second. It didn't look like it did anything bad, thankfully. They only kind of mm-hmm. half fell on him, kind of caught themselves, but... You Know when a guy's going down unconscious like that, you know, you, you want to be yeah. really careful. So that and then he's all right, yeah. And then obviously, Peron, the six game suspension. I did not see that, I had been looking all over waiting for it to show up, but that's that's good to hear that he got six actually. That's
1: which I mean, I, I think it's fair. I see the reason a lot of people don't just because he again, he doesn't actually have a history um, of suspensions or anything, but. You know, that's a clear intent to
0: injure a guy. I will say, given the precedent they have set over the past several years, that's way too high. Um, But I think that's what it should be. For a first-time offender doing something this heinous, it should be six games. And if a guy like, you know, uh, Rafi Torres was to pull something like this out, it should be 30 or something, you know? Mm -hmm. If it's a guy with a history, absolutely throw the book at him. But like just because it's a guy's first time, like, like this, that, there was nothing about it that was an accident. He was throwing the stick right into the dude's face, like, set the precedent high, so hopefully guys just don't do it, you know.
1: And, and this what we've been preaching is is, you know, the NHL player safety to start cracking down on this stuff, and then when it's when it starts happening, now people are upset and don't agree, and it's like, well, which, which way do you want it? Yeah, Like, I think I this think, is good that they're holding players more accountable.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it is because of like I said, we have three three, two of them are definitely bigger things to talk about. <laughs> Big like, fights, injuries type things that went on within a two day span and I think a lot of people are like looking at the league like, you, got, you guys gotta frickin' police this shit. Like these players yeah. are just out there doing it themselves because they don't feel safe. Yeah. Um, do we Speaking of do doing it themselves, yeah, let's uh, roll right into this next one. Let's talk about Nick Cousins, Turtle so, Boy. Um, I, I'll be honest. I do you know how long he's been with the Panthers, Nick Cousins? Um, I think it's been about
1: two, two or three years.
0: Okay, I can pull I wasn't it up sure here if, just to double check. I wasn't sure if he was there when, uh, in the back-to-back years, Tampa played. Florida in the playoffs because I really don't remember this guy much I believe he this was is his first year one. with Florida but he uh his first year was last year oh okay, so he wouldn't have been in the playoffs at least um but I really didn't like this guy has very little name recognition for me. there was a lot of people that I was seeing that are like uh we like Boston fans who are like this Florida team has uh, Matthew Kachuk, uh, uh, Lomberg, you know, Sam Bennett, and Nick Cousins is still my least favorite guy on this team before this hit. Like, there was there was a lot of uh, Apparently, he has a bit of a rep for being a piece of shit. Um, yeah. But anyway, so he had a absolutely horrendous boarding hit on Goodbranson. Yeah. Goodbranson was flying down to grab the puck behind his net, he was swinging around. It wasn't even a stop. And Cousins just pushed him, and he went absolutely flying into the boards. he It looks like he got knocked out for a bit. Like, he just laid there for a bit and then kind it of woke up. was like up. the
1: Undertaker.
0: Yeah, he got up and started swinging afterwards after he kind of, like, shook it off for a sec.
1: I think he just um, had to figure out what the hell was going on for a second and just yeah. get his bearings back.
0: Afterwards, he said it felt like he had been in a car crash, which it... Lo- I don't doubt it. It looked like it. Um, somehow, that five-minute major for boarding got reduced to two minutes on review. I don't know how that happens. Yeah. I, but, I can't even fathom how they made but, that decision. That's probably where the, where a lot of it starts, obviously with Cousins doing the hit, but now well, yeah. he only got two minutes. Like, if I accidentally get my skate blade under a guy's foot and trip him, I'm getting the same penalty as that. That's garbage. Yeah. Um, exactly. So later in the game, Goodbranson's out there and Cousins is coming along the left wing and Goodbranson clearly sees that it's him and he just drops his stick, goes in for a hit, drops his stick right before the hit and just grabs him and throws him to the ground playground style. There was no hit. He just just threw him to the ground and started punching at him on the ground. And when Cousins' helmet was off and he was turtling and his head was right next to the ice... Goodbranson kept feeding them, which, which you never dangerous. like to see. That like, no, I absolutely detest both sides of it. Like, this is this is a weird one for sure because neither of those are, have any place in the sport. Like, yes. if some if something like the Nick Cousins hit it, like look, that looks similar happens, but is accidental. I get it, but everything about it was purposeful. And yeah, Goodbranson, like if you wanna if you wanna you know, throw him around, hit him. Hell, <laughs> there, there's even a place in hockey for fighting, even if he wants to take the instigator and run at him head on and throw his gloves down oh, yeah. and start chucking hands. But to just I start, start punching him ball. while he's on the ground, like, he's defenseless, he can't block, He's his head is right next to the ice. If he gets punched into the ice, dude, like, this gets really bad really fast. Yeah. Um. To my knowledge, neither guy sustained any major injuries somehow. Uh, yeah. I think Goodbranson's fine. Uh, he yeah. played the rest of the game, but... No, he yeah. got ejected. Oh, sorry. I meant after, the, after he got boarded. Yes, he got ejected. Um, and it's super goofy looking because somehow Cousins' boarding got reduced to two minutes and Goodbranson gets a 10-minute misconduct, a two-minute minor for instigating, a 10-minute game misconduct, and a five-minute penalty for fighting so he got 27 penalty minutes retaliating to a two minute minor
1: yeah and uh yeah and so then florida went on and they got a seven minute power play yeah and out of that the thing that bugs me is just the fact that like uh so the the initial hit gabranson gets some kind of gives cousins a little bit of a push and cousin immediately just drops to the ice and turtles up it's like, if you're going to throw cheap hits like that, you got to face the music. And I get Gabranson's way bigger than Nick Cousins. But if you're going to run a guy like that from behind, that's, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not a hockey play. No. Like, you can't just turtle and expect everything to be fine. No, he shoved
0: like, him in the numbers flying at speed with intent not to just knock him over, but intent for him to fly into the boards like i yeah i cannot believe they reviewed it and took it down to two minutes that's that's just horrendous from the refs and i i venture to say that if he got the five minute major then i don't think good branson goes after him like that i think he saw it was a two minute minor and was like oh okay we're just allowed to do whatever the fuck we want and he went for it. yeah yeah the refs let that game get out of control so that there is partial blame on the refs for sure This happening on back-to-back days with the Dylan Larkin situation was like, I, there, it didn't help that there was not a ton of highlights from those two days. So I was just like, man, like, there's just nothing happening but absolute garbage in hockey right now. Like, what, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, um, it was an interesting couple, couple of days with those two situations yeah. happening. So imagine my surprise later that night. It is the Ducks versus the Jets. And Kyle Connor gets knee on takes a knee on knee with uh, Ryan Strom. This one's definitely not near as bad as the other two, I don't think. Um, I guess the I injury is, but... I was gonna, I was gonna say, is do you think Ryan Strom did on purpose? I saw some clips. I never really saw a slow mo. I,
1: I don't really think so. Um, it, it, with those ones, it's always tough to tell because you you we see it happening so often of a guy gets burned to the side and they they do whatever they can to try and stop the guy and sometimes they stick their leg out yeah. unintentionally even just because sure. it's just instinct like oh I'm going train.
0: for a trip in that situation right not a yeah not a neon. what what psycho is like I'm going to throw my kneecap into their kneecap yeah exactly so i don't i, like I don't
1: think, think it, it was intentional
0: yeah But and then uh, it just sucks that Kyle Connor's now out for I think it's like six to eight weeks. I I, yeah, I think that's what I saw. So six to eight weeks for Kyle Connor. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully he he's closer to six, five weeks, and can uh, make a full recovery because his skating, especially with the with that knee injury, you know, his skating's incredible. So you'd love to see him be able to be back to form when he gets back, and uh, Winnipeg needs him. He's he's an incredibly important piece to that team and they are doing really well right now. So yeah. Yeah. But no,
1: I don't think it was intentional. And I don't think, you know, I saw some people being like, how does Strom not get suspended? It's like, well, it's, it's, I just don't think that's a suspendable play.
0: Uh, just because I we... don't think it was on purpose. Yeah. It definitely looked like ac- mostly accidental. If, if it was purpose, it was very subtle. Um, yeah. Before we move on, I just uh, want to touch because I don't think we talked about it. Did uh, I guess Cousins couldn't because it was reduced to two minutes? Did uh, Good Branson ever get a suspension?
1: He got a, a one game suspension.
0: Okay. So he got 27 minutes of penalties and a one game suspension. Uh, For taking matters into his own hands because the rest couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, that. That boarding looks so vicious. I'm I'm And that's also I really wish both guys got penalized a lot because you know what Good Branson did is still really bad, but Yeah. Um
1: but that's the thing is like I think it was that like the two days like right before, maybe the day before and after, there was two very similar hits with Evander Kane making one on Edmonton and then Eric Rob Robinson on Buffalo. And Kane got nothing for his and Robinson got five in the game and all three were very, very similar hits. And it's like, how do you have three separate calls? Like the only three calls that could be made on basically three identical hits. It's like eventually, yeah, it it was just crazy to see that the refs couldn't, none of them agreed on, on
0: which way to call it basically. Yeah, they, they really should get all these refs together and go over a, a little bit of tape and be like, all right, we all agree that this is this. We all agree this clip is this, you know. Try and get everyone on the same page. I get it. They're they're humans. They interpret it different. But
1: The, the one that's the worst is just the Nick Cousins one because it was a five-minute major. The refs watched it back and said, no, that's only two minutes. And it's like how how can you justify that that's that's two minutes after watching the replay over and over again
0: i can't imagine watching that in slow-mo sped up regular speed i can't imagine any that doesn't look like a five-minute major at least yeah and you know what that also you know it it's clearly vicious enough that even if like whatever it should still be five minutes probably and now you've given the league a chance to look at it on their own and see if they want supplemental
2: discipline yeah yeah um, yes yeah, it was very very weird um you know
1: department of player safety is kind of on the rise in the stocks and the refs are continuing
2: to to go down but are we surprised? Yeah. Not really.
0: Not 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 either. really. Um, but with all that out of the way, we can get to some better stuff. Um, yeah. So the NHL announced that they're revamping the skills competition. Uh, they, yeah. uh, we talked about it a bit before. They have uh, some celebrity guests coming in. They're going to help pick the teams a bit. Um, they've also announced they're doing a one million dollar prize. For um, I the give, winning I think player, it's the winner, the winning player of the skills competitions, not the all-star games. Um, they that's 500k to them, 500k to a charity of their choice as well. Um, they outright said the other day that uh, they want it to go back to like, just like find who's the most skilled. It it really read in their some of their press releases as if they were like, you know, we we want to see guys take it seriously. We don't want to see you put on a funny hat and then do a dance and then take a shot. We want to see you do something freaking cool. And it it comes across a little bit stick-in-the-muddish, but, like, it's totally going to lead to a better product in the All-Star competition, I think.
1: I think so, somewhat. Um, but also just the fact of... Uh, I'm just trying to find where the new rules are for it. I can't seem to find it right now. Um, the thing I just don't like is—is is like, what is it? I I can't find it here, but it's only like twelve players,
2: uh, so it's not even yeah. like
1: it's not even like all the players at the at the All Star weekend doing it. Kind of like before, where you know every guy had the opportunity at least to be like oh i want to be in this in in this um event or this one or this one and it's just now it's it sounds like it it's going to be, be the same
0: guys in every event then
1: yeah so it sounds like the league um is going to pick 8 players and then the other 4 will be voted on by fans but the fans can only vote on um like they can only vote on players who are who, who are going to the all star game. So it's like you can't get like a John Scott showing up or anything. Right. Um which, which I
2: think is just weird that it's it's if only they 12 really players, want somebody else. Players, like spanned across eight events.
1: Yeah. So it's like, how can you really be like, oh, he's the hardest <laughs> shot winner when was not participating very clearly has a harder shot like
0: like we're probably not going to see like if they only have 12 spots there's already going to be Quinn Hughes there's already going to be Kale McCarr and from Tampa there's going to at least be Kucherov we're probably not going to see uh Hedman in the hardest shot competition well and you know McDavid's we'll see see McDavid well
1: because McDavid kind of helped build this
0: yeah yeah, the they, kind of they his brain, in. he did a lot,
1: and and of course, you know, I mean, like it's good to hear. No, Sean McDavid, stars. Like, of course, he came up with this because that's spirit. McDavid. Probably ends up winning this. Yeah, like you look at fastest skater, stick hand, handling, passing, accuracy, shooting. Like McDavid probably,
0: at and the then... least, he can win those. He ha- clearly has the skill to. But then be the funny part is. Yeah,
1: so how it
2: works, I think, is um, the, so the top eight advance to, uh, I don't know exactly know
1: how it works, but f- so from what it is, it's a start out with the 12 players, then it goes down to eight, and then it goes down. Oh, it's like an elimination uh, type thing? every player all 12 take place in the fastest skater hardest shot stick handling one timers passing and accuracy shooting kind of the regular um skills ones and then the top eight advance to the shootout and now i don't know how that fully goes down and then the top six advance to the finals which is an obstacle course which I'm assuming he's going to be you know weaving through stuff with a puck and like that's right up McDavid's alley.
0: Um, yeah.
1: The thing the I don't like—they have
0: to saucer the saucer the, pa- sauce the puck like you know two feet up through the little mail slot or whatever. The one they yeah. did uh, one or two years ago.
1: The thing I just don't like is is again it, it's only twelve players, you know. So it's and and it's the fact that its fans can vote in. So like you you can probably assume that. Mick McDavid and Dry Seidel and like McKinnon, Makar are going to be in. So to have four of the 12 players from two teams in, like if they're doing it, you almost have to be like, it's capped off at one player from each team. Um, and then also where, where do you get anything yeah. for the goalies? Really? You only get to see them in the, the shootout that takes place.
0: Yeah, that too.
1: So, like, I, I get what they're doing, and I I, I understand it. It's kind of nice to see them actively trying to shake things up and make the All-Star Weekend better, but I don't know. I feel like the, you know, and I guess, I guess you know, we we get more of the, those player interactions whatnot with the draft that'll take place. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I like being able to see a lot of the guys who are present there, you know,
0: uh, yeah, it was neat having their shot at it. Last year had to be one of the most like one of the most active all-star games or all-star weekends where like they had so many guys involved. They had like five guys in each thing and they had every single one of the regular, you know, the fastest skating, the hardest shot, etc. But then they also had like they had like the the hockey golf one. They had the the one where the guys were saucering passes onto the target over by the Bellagio. Like, they had a whole yeah. bunch of extra things. The They had one the shooting one on the beach. And they had, like, you know, anywhere from 5 to 10 guys for each of those as well. Like, you really got to see a lot of the personality around the league.
1: I think the only problem with those ones is that it ruins the, the in-person atmosphere. Yeah. Just because, you know, they kind of show those ones sporadically throughout it. So then it's like everybody's sitting in the arena now. The players are just kind of hanging out on the ice, waiting while it's all shown on the Jumbotron, which it's like a 20 to 25 minute segment in its entirety. And everybody's all just kind of
0: sitting there watching. And so it kind of takes away from the atmosphere there. Um, I almost just wonder if you just don't, you just do the in-person stuff and that's it. You don't show it to the, the people in the arena, the other stuff. They can go find it online. They can DVR it. Like, it's better than staring up at the Jumbotron, watching like an entire episode of tv's worth of yeah that stuff
2: and i mean
1: even just off the top of my head right now i could think of a better way you could do it still the same ways before where players can pick and like you could tell players hey you get to pick one of those original six events to go into and then you could be like okay hey the top two you know first and second place from each one uh advances to the shootout so then you've got 12 in there and then you could be like so 12 are now in the shootout you know i don't know how they're going to do the shootout exactly i don't know if it's like elimination style or whatnot but then you could do like the top the top six so half go to the obstacle course and then you at least give every player there the chance to take part
0: in some way in the in in the all-star skills competition yeah, there's there's a lot of ways they could do it. And do you know when they all start is that coming up in like about a month? They usually do it in January, it's, it's, right?
2: It's yeah, it's
1: usually like the end of
0: uh January. Okay. So we'll uh we'll see how it uh develops as we get even closer. But uh I'm at the very least they're really uh the past few years they've been trying to reinvent with it and I'm... Um, I'm figuring it's only a matter of time until eventually they land on something that sticks. Yeah.
1: Yeah, more than anything, I'm just glad that they're actively trying to improve the All-Star weekend because it was just becoming such a stale, you know, repeat year after year. So it's nice to see them trying to to change it up a little bit. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of it, but
0: I'm still very happy that the NHL is actively trying. Yeah. Um next up, uh we got uh we got something here that uh uh the Blues fired uh Craig Barube naming uh Bannister their interim head coach. Um three head coaches have been fired this season and two of them were one of our Jack Adams picks for the year. Yeah, you had and, uh Woodcroft, which is which is a tough
2: soak for us. Yeah, that's but. tough. Yeah, that that's that's not a good look for us. But but I, I, I mean, think Saint Louis started was never off pretty, really a pretty great pick for me decent. anyway.
0: That was yeah no, that was a tough sell anyway. But I am still surprised they fired Woodcroft in Edmonton.
1: Yeah, and I'm not even sure why Brube is necessarily fired because I don't think St. Louis was going into the season expecting to be a playoff team. Like, they're yeah. one of those teams that I think needs to just be like, hey, you know, we got our, we got our cup, that core is now kind of gone, Petrangelo's gone, Tarasenko's gone, uh, O'Reilly's gone, and, and so it, it's, it's just time to, to hit the reset and start that rebuild because yeah. the way that they're they keep going they're going to run into a situation that unfortunately the Flames are kind of in. Oh, yeah, I was going to say the Flames. They're going to start story. making they're going to start making drastic moves because it's very clear that they've they've got playoff aspirations in their mind and that's where they're going to run into making decisions that are going to hinder their future when eventually they're like okay, we need to rebuild and it's like now look at all the bad, you know, pieces we've got here and the things we're stuck with because we are so sure that we could go on a magical run again.
0: And it's just, it's not possible with that team. No, it's, it's pretty tough. And I think they might trick themselves into thinking that it's really, it's a really good uh, chance to go in because they're in fifth in the central. They're only three points behind Nashville who also uh, you wouldn't expect to be in the playoffs. They're seven three and zero in their last ten, um, Yeah. but they're six points back of Dallas, and I don't I don't see them catching Dallas. I don't see them catching Winnipeg, Colorado. Yeah, know. Yeah, and I definitely don't see them beating any of those teams in a seven game playoff series.
1: And then even if they do, you've got to play the the next one, and then the next one. Like it's it would you be know a even Cinderella if they run for sure. Yeah, even if they snuck into the playoffs, it's like that it just with the team they have it just it's not in the cards for them and you know so i i really and this is one of those times where because i'm very against the whole you know reduce reuse recycle of of coaches in the nhl where it's just oh we fired our guy let's just grab the biggest name out there who's failed with their most recent team
0: it's and, it's insanely incestuous. There's 32 teams and maybe 40 head coaches for the NHL. Yeah. Maybe. And this is
1: and this and is one of those times where and this is one of those times where it's like, okay, the next team that fires their coach should immediately be calling Barube because he's he's one of those guys that it's like you know, he he brought the blues their their first Stanley Cup and you know, he did everything he could with what he was given from that point on. And it just didn't work. And that's no fault of his own. And he could go to a, a team with a good roster and they, and could win a cup with them. So it will be very interesting to see, you know, where he ends up landing. Cause he's definitely not, not going to be out of, out of the league
0: by, by no, the beginning I of next season, so. he'll, he'll be behind an NHL bench again. Absolutely. Um, Sticking with uh, some of that, so um, Jordan Cairo, uh, he was interviewed yesterday early in the day, probably after the team's practice morning skate, I assume. And uh, he was asked on, um, you know, the he was really cornered by this question. It was not yeah. well put by the media at all. They really tried to corner him into a question basically saying, uh, what did you think about Barube and why do you think he was fired? He was trying to get the, the guy was clearly trying to get Kairu to say, uh, we played bad and he got fired because of it. And Kairu didn't want to. And I don't think he should have to. And so he really just said no comment. And a lot of people took this as this no comment as he did not like Berube. He's What Kairu said was, no comment, he's not my coach anymore. And yeah. <laughs> people took this hard, especially Blues fans. They were furious online the other day, and they let him know during their game. Uh, Kairu got booed when they announced the opening lineup. He was booed every time he touched the puck, whether on the power play or normally. He was booed when he, they announced that he got an assist on, one of the, on the go-ahead goal. He... And they... Like, this is all in St. Louis. He's getting booed by his home fans. And mm-hmm. he was not even close. He was legitimately in tears during his post-game interview. And he yeah. said that it was the toughest game he's ever played. And that's just wild that they would turn you on have your A- own fans. Yeah, I... I'm super disappointed in Blues fans, man. That's so uncool. This is one of your best... I would argue your best player. He had an assist Mm -hmm. and was a plus three that night at home in a a 4-1 or 4-2 victory. And he said it was one of the hardest games to ever play because the fans completely turned on him. Because he wasn't... uh, he, he didn't say that he absolutely loved Barube in some other interview.
2: Yeah. So
1: I don't think it's fair for Blues fans to boo Kyru. Um But I can definitely 100% see their frustration with him. Um, just on the fact alone of like, he probably should be like, yeah, you know what? It's It's on us that he got fired. That's what many of other players say. And I think it's the fact that it was Jordan Cairo because he's just beginning that really big contract and he is severely underperforming for that contract. Um, I think if it was a guy like Robert Thomas, who is right around a point per game, I don't think blues fans really bad an eye too much at it. I think it's just the fact that Cairo supposed to be there, you know, they're, their big guy going forward and he's underperforming and, just kind of really didn't take any ownership on it. Um, but again, I like the, the booing is unnecessary. I can see their frustration. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. You and, know, and in my opinion, if you buy a I don't... to a game, you're allowed to boo what's going on. You're allowed to cheer. You're <laughs> yeah. allowed to boo. But like, booing your own dude is pretty harsh. Booing him from before puck drop to throughout to the end of the game. Yeah. Like, you know what, you have just as much right to boo as he has right to ask for a trade-out if he doesn't like it in St. Louis. Yeah, exactly. And I will not feel sorry for Blues fans at all if he wants out, because, like, you're one of an eight-year contract and you're getting booed (laughs) like that at home. Like, that's tough. And, like, I definitely get what you're saying with the underperforming. A lot of people have pointed that out, but people seem to be expecting a lot from him. He's a bit below... What he should be putting up, but like two two years ago, seventy five points, seventy four games, just over a point per game. Last year, seventy three points in seventy nine games, six points in a full season, under a point per game. Right now, he's got eighteen points in twenty nine games, so he's low, definitely on a lower pace than last year. But like, it's not like he's not putting up any numbers. Yeah, you know, I think it's twenty nine. More... He's got a you know point seven points per game something like that yeah um you know it's i would definitely expect you know calgary to be booing huberdo over a performance than <laughs> the blues fans on and I, I think it more than anything it really
1: just speaks volumes to how much uh blues fans just loved and adored craig berube and i mean why wouldn't they like he yeah he was the, again the coach that brought in their their first stanley cup and whatnot and he was uh, you know, maybe aside from Cairo loved by the players. Like there's many players that have spoken very highly of him. Uh, yeah. So a, a, potentially a big part of it could just be that, you know, blues fans are more so standing up for Barube who, you know, can't really speak on it anymore because he's, he's fired and gone, but yeah. it, it's, it's a messy situation for the blues now.
0: It, it, um, it's just uh it sucks that this guy cornered him into a con- the conversation the reporter uh cornered Kairu into this because uh it had been documented before this that Kairu and Barube you know didn't have a great relationship it worked it worked but it wasn't like you know some guys they mm-hmm. go to war for their coach and it was public knowledge that he did not and you know yeah Every, I see so many people online being like, that's what happens. Kairo just had to say that uh, it was his fault. And I thought it was fairly mature to not, first of all, not straight up lie, but also, you know, he didn't rag on him either, even though they didn't like each other much. He said he just gave him a no comment, tried to move on. And people, people really took that in a different way than when I saw the interview and yeah i i've seen I f- blues fans all over the internet being like yeah this is it's it's happening because we love barube so much but yeah i if, think if even you're if you're Kyra careful, just said, gonna run Kyra out of town
1: yeah i think even if Kyra just responded to it and just said no comment i think would have even been better um but
0: yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah and, it's and, just uh, he's not my coach anymore yeah, just being like, I'm not, yeah, just, you know, all that.
1: I think even just being like, you know, no comment, I think would have even, I think fans would have been okay with that. But I think basically, I think the way a lot of them just interpreted it was him just being like, you know, he's not my coach. I'm not going to talk about him. I'm moving on type of thing. I think it's kind of the way it maybe got interpreted. Um, but but again, you know, if if you're a Blues fan and you're you're booing Cairo again don't be shocked if eventually he just says, "You know what you guys don't want me here i'll I'll gladly go play somewhere else
0: yeah, like there's you know for uh, for a guy that blues fans really talk about like he is he's dead weight uh there was a lot of people online that were like you know there was all kinds of flames fans being like if you don't yo if you guys don't want him, we'll take him like there was there's fans of every team being like, yo I hope." If he's on the market, I hope we pick him up. Cause
1: and, and it'll be interesting to see, but like if he asks for a trade, you know, how much does it kind of handy, handicap the, the Blues in making a trade and kind of back them into a corner? Because, okay, yeah, sure, he did ask for a trade out, so you kind of have to shop him. But at the same time, he's locked in on an eight-year deal, so you're not forced to move him right away. And the team that's getting him, you know that you've got him locked in f- for the foreseeable future. So it'd be interesting to kind of see if a trade happened, like what, what the potential return could be. If, if he was yeah. to ask for a
0: trade. I okay. was it, it really depends. So I think you that's know, the only way it's, it's so strange because we see so many situations where the ball is in the player's court. The ball is in the coach's court. The, the ball's kind of in the fan's court, which yeah. is really weird. Like if, They could go to their next home game. Everything could play out normally. He could be like, thank God they don't hate me. Everything's fine. Or next home game, they could boo him even louder now. And like, if he was upset before, if he gets the crap booed out of him again, like he might be like, all right, this fucking sucks. They're going to boo me for eight years. Get me out of here. And his play is going to tank. He's got a 8.125 million contract until 2031. You can't have a guy playing badly for that much money. Like you if he asked for a trade out and he was still getting booed, you'd have to do something because you'd have to move him before his trade stock plummets. Yeah. So, I'm I'm hoping that they don't boo him again next time. Hopefully, you know, they let him have it, and, and they feel satisfied, and they're done with it. I believe in his post-game interview where he was in tears, he apologized for the comments on Berube, which I imagine he was just doing damage control because he, he was upset the fans were pissed at him. but Yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully things turn around for him because that, that was a tough interview to watch, man. He yeah just, he was he was in tears. He was saying, "I just I love playing in St. Louis so much, and to hear them booing us in a in a victory where we had a good game, it like, dude, that just breaks your heart, man." Yeah,
1: if anything, like, Blues fans should be celebrating a win. You know, first win of you know their new head coach for the time being. I think he was named as just an interim head coach, um, but yeah. nonetheless, like he comes in and, and they get they get a win, so you know i think more so focus on that and be happy for that rather than you know pulling down one of your best players and making him feel feel bad about
2: himself
0: yeah definitely um we got uh we got just a few other things here to talk about i think most of them were last night um uh tampa bay last night broke edmonton's i believe it was eight game win streak yeah um, I was the one of the commentators said this at the end of the game after the empty netter by Stamkos at the end. And it shocked me just as much as it shocked the other guy on commentary. But that was Stamkos's first four goal game of his career. Yeah. We almost is, had five. Yeah. Which is absolutely wild. Um, <laughs> three. Uh, one was an empty netter at the end. Three very strange goals. The first one, like it like pass went into the middle on the power play, it got bumbled from the pass, it bounced around like four guys, Nick Paul just shoved out to the side, then Stamkos got it in while the goalie was half not looking. The other one he like like batted out of the air from the side of the net. It was like an impossible angle. And then he went bar down for the hat trick from almost the blue line, just inside. Yeah. That, that was a that was a really fun game to watch for sure. Got it done
2: multiple ways. Yeah.
0: Um Nikita Kucherov in that game being the first player in the season to reach 50 points. Yeah. Uh, Mc, uh, man, Mick David and him were both on fire. That was that was a lot so that's, to watch So that's off the thing time. I wanted to
1: get into cuz you know Ed- Edmonton fans love to spew stuff um you know when they're winning because you know you can, you got the two best players in the world. But I think it, I thought it was so funny. The amount of Oilers fans that I'm that I saw online are saying like, you know, um you know when when people try and troll them and be like, oh, you know, you guys will fall off soon and be right back to, you know, where you were before this win streak. And the amount of Oilers fans that are now being like being like, no, because we have a healthy McDavid, now we're good. And it's like, that speaks volumes. If, if, I'm not, I'm not saying all Oilers fans, but if there's Oilers fans out there who have the mindset of like, we can only win with a healthy McDavid, is, is insane. Like, like obviously McDavid's the best player in the world. But when you've got guys like, you know, Bouchard, Ekholm, uh, Dry Nugent Hopkins, Kane, and it's like, basically being like, well, we're winning now because McDavid's healthy again. It's like, you guys should be able to be a competent team and and win without McDavid. Because you've got arguably the
0: second best player in the league. And, you know, we act like McDavid was missing during that time. He was putting up around a point per game. What was him, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I just thought it was interesting that it's like, geez, you've, you know, Nugent Hopkins was built up. I didn't even mention Zach Hyman either. Yeah. But it's like Nugent Hopkins was built up to be this superstar after putting up a hundred points. And, and then obviously like just all those other guys. And it's like, you should still be able to win. Even if McDavid's out of the lineup completely. Yeah. But or yeah, at, I at mean, least and, not
0: mean, bottom two in the league.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, good on Edmonton for, Throwing together an eight game win streak and immediately um, putting themselves back up into the, the hunt there for the playoffs. Now I don't think they're in a playoff spot uh, currently as of this moment, but they're, they're right back up there in the hunt
0: now. Uh, they are not because there would be both wild cards would go to the Western conference, but they, well, central division. I'd say they're in fourth in the Pacific, but uh, Edmonton, Calgary and Seattle all have 27 points. San
1: Jose is not too far behind.
0: Twenty-one. They're really hey,
1: actually not. with within the last uh, ten games total from like each team. San Jose's the got the eighth best record.
0: Six-two so, and two. Yeah.
1: And they're they're on they're on a they're on a bit of a, a roll right now. I mean they're not gonna make the playoffs like obviously, but it's nice to see them. But they got something going on. They're cooking. The thing I'm basically just happy about more than anything is just like and again it's like okay yeah they're not bottom of the league they don't have the best odds at the first overall overall pick we still got to think even if you're the bottom team there's still a 75 percent chance you don't get that first overall pick like sure you've got the best odds of getting it best single
0: odds but you versus the field is pretty bad still
1: yeah and it's like more than anything with you know the sharks it's just like the the players that You know, have been we've mentioned before that could get moved. It's just their trade value is increasing, which is just going to bring back more picks and prospects. Which, yeah, I I think is good. And especially in a draft where, like, we all kind of know who's going first overall, but you can make the argument that, you know, any it kind of seems like any guy in the top four could, (laughs) you know, go number one. Like, it's not like it's a a Matthews. Cues like it's not one guy head and shoulders above the rest. It's 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 one guy above the group, but it's not by that much.
0: Yeah, it's more of a more of a. I don't know if it's appropriate to say a Shane Wright situation because he looked like the general was, number one pick going into the draft. Yeah, for for like the two years leading up to that that draft. even yeah, yeah. It was like years and years up in advance, three days before the draft. And even then, he was still assumed to go first. But there had been rumors. Um, Um,
1: Quickly, just to rattle some off, because I think we missed them at the beginning here. Um, Matt Duchesne played in his 1,000th game. Uh, Connor Hellebuck hit 250 career wins. And the other night, John Tavares hit 1,000 career points Doing it on Long Island, um, getting an assist on the tying goal with, I think it was like six seconds left or something. I think so. And Toronto immediately got the clearance from the refs like, yeah, you can go on the ice and celebrate. And so that was kind of a big, a big F you to Islanders fans, but then all was saved when immediately in overtime, uh, you know, the new stars there for them. Uh, Barzell with a beautiful pass to Horvat for the overtime winner to, uh, put a little bit of a damper on it for the Leafs. I mean, Tavares hit 1000 points. Leafs got one point out of the game. So, and it was also during the, the dad's trip. So all the dads were there, including Tavares's dad. So they all got to, to witness that and be a part of that moment too, which has got to be yeah, pretty, cool. pretty special.
0: Yeah. Um, Sticking with the Leafs. um, More successful than the Blackhawks um, mom's trip. (laughs)
2: Just wanted to throw that in there.
0: Oh, man. One of these days uh, we'll hear about what (laughs) happened. I'm sure it'll come out. We we
2: will.
1: We never will. Um,
0: um, The Blue Jackets won an OT against Toronto just last night after giving up. Blowing a five-goal lead in the third period. It was 5 nothing in the third. And they came back to make it 5-5. Five five, and it looked like the Blue Jackets were going to blow it before Ken Johnson snipes it bar down in overtime. Beautiful shot. Yeah. He never thought about passing it. He walked in on the right side and just bar ski.
2: That's he huge for them, name. though.
1: Like, I I didn't see anyone really talking about, but my immediate thought was, like, this is a guy who... I think he played, like, all of last season with the Blue Jackets, and then to start the the season wasn't doing very well. He got sent down to the minors. You got to think, that's kind of crushing for a guy's confidence. But when he's out there in overtime like that, and all the pressure's on them, we can't blow this and lose now after being up 5 nothing. For him to have the confidence to to walk in and, and take that shot and put it away, like... That shows that his confidence is not—that's uh, the killer is, is not want. diminished
0: or anything. Like it, it's it's still there. Yeah. And um, not to not to make everything about the Lightning, but uh, that was that was big that they could come back against uh, Toronto there in OT because I'm looking at it right now. Tampa after their win in Edmonton is the only team with a W beside their streak. Every other team in the Atlantic right now uh, has lost their most recent game or recent two games. So uh, last night we made up a little bit of ground, which is good because we need to. We just played a lot of games at the start of the year. Us and Seattle are the only two teams to play 31 games so far. The Senators are at 24. Like,
2: yeah, bro, schedule these guys some freaking games. Tough when the arena's in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's tough to get teams out there, I
0: guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, they want to do it when the flights are cheaper after Christmas. Yeah. Um, I also just want to shout out Vasilevskiy real quick, uh, who had unexpected goals against last night of 6.2, of around 6.2, and he's kept it to four. That game easily could have been an 8-5 loss. He absolutely robbed the Oilers' power play on 20 different occasions. I think the final count was 59 shots against, or 57 shots against. 50, 57. Yeah.
1: My biggest thing was Tampa Bay having 10 shots in the third period and five goals.
2: Like, well, I know two, two, are the, empty two netters, were empty but, netters, but still, but, you think about
1: before that, they had three goals on, on eight shots. Like, it's
0: yeah it's like oh uh, uh, it's uh, not quite as bad as when we beat up on carolina but yeah they uh they got goalied by themselves and by us for sure
1: yeah i saw you just threw through something in. did you want to did you want to talk about
2: that
0: uh yeah so uh ryan reeves during the blue jackets game last night left with a leg injury um and then fell
1: <laughs> did, you, did you see that video
0: yeah, he's uh, he's certainly not beating the allegations of not being a great skater. Um, he skated into the boards, and dude, he looked like a five-year-old. He he. Oh, no, I meant what happened after. No, yeah, I'm just, but I'm just, I'm just talking about the injury that. Oh he, yeah. He just kind of glided into the boards at speed, didn't turn, didn't brace. He just went in knees first, and then fell over it probably messed up his knees or his ankles or something and on his way out the trainers are helping him walk and i guess they have a couple steps down to get into their tunnel and the trainers stopped holding (laughs) him and then he he fell he fell down a couple of stairs they just like let go of him and he it he's going downstairs with a recently injured leg yeah it was so hopefully hopefully he's doing all right um We'll, uh, yeah, because we'll remember, Leafs got like bringing him back. Even well, has got two back. more years of his contract after this year. They got him on that yeah. three-year deal. So, well, he's he's really good at controlling the music in the locker room, don't you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that. Those are those are key guys you need. But, uh, uh, did you yeah. have anything no, else? I bad. I don't.
0: Um, all I have left, I guess, I'll just run through some of the uh the player stat leaders real quick. Uh, in, uh, first, uh, for points in the league, Kucherov reaching 50 points last night. Uh, in second, we got, uh, JT Miller with 43. And in third, we have Nathan McKinnon with 41. Uh, normally I only do the top three, but, uh, for those wondering, Connor McDavid has 40 in fourth. Uh, for goals, we got Austin Matthews in first with 23, Brock Besser in second with 22 and Nikita Kucherov in third with 20. Uh, plus-minus, we got Quinn Hughes with 25, Pronik with 21, and Barkov with 19. Uh, looks like Makar is completely off this plus-minus list uh, for the time being. The entire list only being the top five in the league, so what was him at six, probably? Yeah. I'm um, not even going to do goals against average. That's a team stat. We just do save percentage here. Uh, Aiden Hill has a nine thirty-five. Jeremy Swayman has a nine thirty-three, and Charlie Lindgren has a nine twenty-nine. <laughs> um, are any of them their team starters? Is Aiden Hill? Um,
1: yeah, Hill is. Okay. Well, people argue he's kind of in a in a tan. Like he has been injured lately. It's a like he very hasn't played since situation November. Situation,
0: in Vegas with goalies. Yeah,
1: he hasn't played since November thirtieth due to injury. So. Mm. And Swayman's uh, Him and uh,
2: Old oh, Mark, they're, they're a tandem It's They go back and forth Yeah And um, I, yeah, I bet Belingren He's uh, he, he, He's uh, back up for The Cavs
0: Kemper, right? Kemper's yeah. still over there Still doing his thing Doing his thing and then for wins, uh, for goalies, we have uh, Demco at Vancouver in with 15, and then tied for second, we got Hellebuck and Gorgiev for Winnipeg and Colorado uh, with 14 apiece. So, uh,
1: um, things
0: are things are heating up around the league.
1: Oh, I can finally do it! I could finally do it! I can finally do it! Oh, <laughs> breaking news! Um, so I just saw this break- now. Uh, things are getting worse for Columbus. Uh, Ford Patrick Linea has suffered a fractured clavicle and is out Ooh. for six weeks. Yikes. So things just keep keep getting worse for for the BJ's.
0: That's that's tough.
1: Damn, we haven't we haven't had breaking news in a while. That was <laughs> sick.
0: That was some sick new breaking news.
1: Oh, I got one more thing actually. I almost forgot it, but this is. Big stuff. We got big um, stuff going so on. have you heard of what's happening um, a little bit with the Colorado Avalanche? I don't believe so. Cool. Alright, so I don't know the full exact details of like what questions were specifically asked. Um so the other night Miko Randon had a had a pretty good um good game for uh, for the abs. And I don't I don't know the exact question he was asked after the game that prompted this response. Um, but Miko Rantanen's response to, you know, having a good game and whatnot, um, was basically being like, yeah, I stepped up and got it done because one of our Finnish NHL players' dads was talking shit about me. Um so he's referring to Arturi Lekanin's dad, who's um a Finnish announcer, who it sounds like he made some comments about uh, you know, Rantanen not not pulling his weight for the team and uh you know,
2: just not not
1: living up to what what he should be doing for the team. And so Ranton's kind of throwing a shot back at him and also yeah. kind of calling out his his teammate like he could have just like it was more so the fact that he he said um one of our Finnish nhl players dads and then people were very quickly like could be like to link who it was and whatnot and so it's yeah. like that's you know it's kind of interesting to see what kind of tension that might create within the locker room uh you know if Do you've, you know you've what's got one player is? He, he's also Finnish. Which oh, I think is. is what prompted, okay, um, the comments from Leckanin's dad.
0: Okay, which I thought it's... he might have been like uh, Swedish, and it was one of those like kind of, kind of rivalry oh, no. things over there.
1: No, so and that so that's interesting. We, we haven't really ever seen something like that where an NHL player calls out one of their teammates' parents. Yeah, you know, I mean, with Chicago, we've seen players take their other players parents out for dinner or something maybe we don't know but um... just
0: dinner just a friendly <laughs> dinner in nashville yeah, yeah it,
1: was, it was for sponsors like being a gentleman um but yeah this it's a really
2: interesting situation we've never really seen anything like this uh happen before
0: yeah absolutely it's if i'm Lekin in i'm going to my dad and i'm going Dude, I, you need to shut the fuck up. This dude's a meal ticket. Like, we want Rantan, We we don't win a cup if Rantan's not firing on all cylinders. Like, stop whatever you're doing to piss him off. Because,
1: or do you be like, hey dad, fucking wind him up more. Look at the way he's playing now. He's playing out of. He's he's been lighting it up as of late. So maybe he's like,
0: keep winding him up, and let's just watch him put the team on his back. Uh, maybe I don't. Uh, I always think when people play the mind games like that, it's not super sustainable. So maybe if this was going on in the second or third round of the playoffs, I'd agree. But uh, at uh, game thirty in the regular season, I think.
1: And those comments were also made when random was still above a point per game. Like it, was wasn't a by a lot, but he was still playing it ab- above a point per game. So. Yeah. You know, and and I mean, McKinnon, McCarran, and are are clear above the rest of the Avalanche team in in terms of points. Like they really rely yeah. on those three to to carry the load. Like that's absolutely that's kind of what it is now with with Skog out. Um, but yeah, it's just an
0: interesting scenario. We've we've never seen anything quite like that before. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the last time a guy called out one of his teammates' parents. That's yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. And we'll see if it, you know,
2: uh develops any further than that.
1: Also, um, shout out to Roberto Luongo, who was inducted into the Canucks Ring of Honor uh last night. Um they they waited till which I thought was cool, they waited until the uh Florida Panthers came into town to take on the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Um
2: what was also yeah, really
1: cool is really- Thatcher Demko put up. A 36 safe shutout on the night.
0: Doesn't my um, Bobrovsky,
1: team know it? Bobrovsky struggled a bit, allowing four goals on 17
0: shots. Including um, one really bad giveaway. Yeah. Puck got iced. He grabbed it down just uh, in front of the goal line in the corner and just passed it tape to tape to an uh, open Canucks player in uh, Dakota Joshua. I think uh, right in the slot like that was there has never been a more free goal in the NHL.
2: Yeah, the
1: one thing I thought that was kind of weird, though, is they, it's not a jersey retirement. Like Luongo not getting his jersey retired. With the with the Canucks. Yeah.
0: I think t- some teams are too stingy with that. Like I definitely I get it. You, you don't want to retire every guy who comes through, but Roberto Luongo like was the heart and soul of the Canucks for a good bit there, wasn't he? Captain for a bit.
1: Yeah, which was actually my next thing was the Sedins actually presented Luongo with uh with the Canucks jersey that finally had had the C on it.
2: Oh, because he cool.
1: he wasn't able to he wasn't able to actually wear the the C on his jersey. So they presented him with the with that's a jersey awesome. that has it on there. Second of all, realistically, he was number one. It, it, that that's a goalie number. Do the Canucks really think that? Oh, we're gonna have another goalie come in and be bigger and better than Luongo and wear the number one? No.
0: Exactly. Like, like it's. <laughs> I I don't think they teams should be making the decision based on. Um, you know, are we going to run out of numbers? Is this... I think at the end of the day, it should be... Next time you see somebody wearing that number, does it give you ick? Do you feel wrong seeing somebody else wear it? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, as as a Sharks fan, I could never... Uh, you know, I know
1: Marlowe's number 12 is retired, and I'm assuming Joe Thornton's will better. be now that he's officially retired. But it's like, I could never imagine any player on the Sharks coming out
0: wearing number 19, I'd be like, it'd be like, no. what are you doing, dude? Like, no, we'd freaking We'd fly down there and run them out of the building ourselves. Like,
1: yeah, we pull up St. Louis blues and just fucking boom. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I thought was weird, but I thought it was cool that the Sedins presented him with, uh, uh, the Jersey with the C on it. He got to do the ceremonial puck drop, which was taken place by not the captains, but by Bobrovsky and Demko, which I thought was a nice yeah. little touch to it. That was cool. So good, good for, good for Luongo.
0: Yeah, good for Bobby Lou. He's, I yeah. mean, everyone, in, uh, even close to hockey seems to love the dude. Like, yeah, I don't know if he's ever taken a picture where he doesn't have the biggest smile in the world. Ah, uh, yeah, actually.
2: Um, I just want to find here, just to double check. Um, yeah, because that's, uh, that's wasn't wasn't Bobrowski the
1: kind of the guy that ran him out of Florida? Because wasn't I mean, Luongo I, still signed with Florida? And then they went out and signed Bobrovsky to that that big
0: deal. I, I might be wrong, mm, but I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he was uh, he had moved on or retired by the time they got. They it, it was him. within the same year. It was that close, huh? I do know that because, um,
2: let's see. So that was in... That So I pull up that year. Yeah. Yeah, the, two, the 2018-19 season, Luongo was their starter. And then the following year, it was uh,
1: Bobrovsky. So yeah. I, I could be yeah. wrong. I don't know if if those two had anything to do with her. But it's just, that's kind of funny that you know yeah,
0: he kind of replaced him but he didn't run him out of town he was signed on yeah. till, on July 1st of 2019 yeah so
1: that, that's crazy thinking back at that now looking back at the whole you know just that, that constant talk in Vancouver for years of oh they've got Luongo and Schneider what are they going to do going back and forth and then it's
2: like you know they're both retired now and
0: out of the league and it's like Meanwhile, they've got that's Demko, crazy. Who is probably the leading Vesna candidate at the moment? Yeah, and the two the two big pieces they
1: uh, got back in the trades for Luongo and Schneider both aren't even on the team anymore.
2: What did they? Markstrom's
1: get back to uh, the Canucks got. I think Gabranson was also part of it, but I think the the big part of the Longo trade was Markstrom. And then the Corey Schneider one was um, a first round pick from the Devils on draft day, which was used to draft Bo Horvat. And no Blues fans, that's not Boo Horvat, it's Bo Horvat. (laughs) Get it right.
0: We're booing Horvat. Fuck, I can just
1: dunk on the Blues so much now, I love it.
0: I cannot believe how good Vancouver's had it with goalies for the last 15 years. (laughs) Roberto Luongo, Corey Schneider, Markstrom, and now Thatcher Demko—they're
1: right up there with uh, with the Rangers. Yeah. You go from Henrik Lundqvist to Shosturkin, like pff.
0: yeah, we went we went from Ben Bishop to uh, to Vasilevsky, but I mean before that was an absolute <laughs> wasteland.
2: Homequest,
0: we we legend, dude. Until Ben Bishop got good, we didn't have a goalie that in any of the NHL video games was their overall never started with an eight or a higher. Yeah, they were always in 70 something.
2: And that was still too high. They were being generous.
0: Mike Smith probably deserved an 80 or a 79 or something, but the rest of them were like,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Smith. Yeah, a lot
0: of them. Dwayne Rollison had some good years, I guess.
2: Uh, but with that, do you have do you have I anything left to I...
0: No plug I think that's uh I think that covers a whole bunch of it. Um, uh, barring any more illness'll we'll we probably be doing another midweek episode uh this coming Monday or whenever we put that out. Um, but that remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 there's a lot of games this weekend, so there'll
1: probably be. Uh, lots of lots of stuff to talk about. Um, we do have something big planned coming up. We are not going to share right now um, because we love uh, cliffhangers. Um, but everybody will know um, within no time of what that is. So make sure to look forward to that because we are very excited for that and we are very excited to share it with the rest of you. Um, but thanks again to everybody for listening to another episode of the Stick'Em Up podcast. Hopefully your favorite hockey podcast. If not, well, sucks to be us. Um, As always, if you want to join in on conversations with us, you can find us over on Instagram and or Twitter slash X at S E U hockey. Um, We are getting a lot more active over on the Twitter, not as much on the Instagram right now, but again, feel free to, uh, you know, shoot us a message on either of them, say hi. And again, let us know what you want us to talk about because we always miss stuff because there is always a lot going on. Um, Even if you just want us to talk about your team, just be like, Hey, I'm a fan of the Arizona coyotes. I'm, I'm a diehard Yotes fan. Like, can you just talk about the team and their season? And we'll, we'll gladly do that.
0: We can set aside, you know, five, 10 minutes at some point in the episode, we can talk about your team. Like we, there's 32 teams. We talk a decent bit about the sharks and the lightning, and then most of the Canadian teams. Um, So, it, you know, if, if you want to call us out, hey, you haven't talked about the wild in forever. Let us know and we'll, uh, we'll break down what's going on with them lately.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, but with that, thanks again for listening and we will catch all of you in the next one.